and his wife tonight, this morning, and he'll be preaching at, in the 11 o'clock service. Um, he said, were the spouses there? Yes, they were. We didn't just have our, uh, our five kids, but we had our five kids and their spouses. And so, uh, there were, uh, they were, are very much a, a part of our immediate family. And we have sweet fellowship. Um, it's neat to have the four boys, they're all pastors or on pastor staff. And, uh, talk about situations in the ministry, uh, things going on and so on. Our daughter Sharon, uh, Paul and Sharon Cogill have been here, uh, from time to time in revival meetings. And, uh, he's senior pastor at uh, High Point in, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, Sharon, Sharon is pastor's wife in their auditorium where the organ speakers are behind the organ, behind the grill work is a light system. And so every mother who has a child nursery is given a number. And so if she's needed to come and, and uh, take care of the child, whatever, why her number will just come up uh, in this number thing. Well, if they really have a need, then they call Sharon and hers is 007. And so, anyhow, I, I like, I like that. It's, uh, it fits. So, uh, anyhow. In Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, we find one of the outstanding passages of scripture concerning the structure of the home and so on. And this morning, I want to talk to us about discipline. But I'm not talking about chastisement. Rather, I'm talking about discipleship. I believe that as parents, God has given us just an incredibly wonderful opportunity to disciple our children. You know, many times parents, Christian parents, leave the discipling of their children to the Sunday school to the Awana or or um, uh, Patch Club or Kids Kids, whatever uh, Kings Kids, whatever it might be, and uh, or the Christian School uh, or the homeschool curriculum or whatever it might be, but God has given us as parents the opportunity to disciple our children. Uh, in fact, God's given us the responsibility. We have. As parents, the primary responsibility of discipling our children. Now, let's go to the Word. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents. Now, it goes without saying that if God's Word says, Children, obey your parents, then parents need to specify what they require of their children. My kids can't obey me if I don't, if I don't lay down the parameters that, that, that I've established for them. They're not mind readers. If they were, if they were, they'd never admit it and uh, so on. But, uh, but we need to be, we need to be specific and, uh, so on. Our next, the oldest son 
after he had a car. Uh, in, in Marshalltown, where I pastored in those years, there were several railroad crossings where traffic would get backed up behind a slow-moving or a changing train, and, uh, and it would take 15 or 20 minutes for, the, uh, for it to clear and traffic get flowing again. So whenever our son was late in coming home after being wherever he was, his excuse was always, well, I got caught behind a train. And so I said, all right, we can take care of that. You move ahead. We know that it's not supposed to be over 15 minutes, so you start home 15 minutes earlier than you intended to, and uh, and then th- that won't apply. So we need to be specific. The Bible says, children, obey your parents. Then spell out what you expect of them. And it's going to change as time goes on. You know, they're going to, they're going to pick up their room. They're going to make their bed. Older, they're going to be home at the specified time. They're going to do their laundry. They're going to iron their shirts. And, uh, they're going to, uh, they're going to do these things. They're, they are going to have devotions. They're going to have a prayer time. They're going to be attentive in family devotions. And so on. And, and so we specify. That's where they learn to have a prayer life. That's where they learn to study the Word of God. That's where they learn to, uh, to, uh, memorize Scripture. We'd have Scripture verses written out and on, uh, pieces of eight by, eight and a half by eleven and, uh, taped up to the wall. And, uh, when they'd sit at the table, they would see it. When they would uh, be going uh, to their bedroom, they would see them. And they would learn those verses of Scripture. So we're discipling our children. And God has given us that responsibility. Two things. Don't miss the joy of it and the opportunity of it by yielding that opportunity to somebody else. Primarily, you accept that responsibility. And, you know, a great crop of kids here. And uh, it's exciting to, uh, to see all the little ones. I went out by the... By the merry-go-round. And, you know, here is a merry-go-round just loaded with little kids. And, uh, you know, they were, they were learning life because they were going round, round circles and getting nowhere. But anyhow, they were, <laughs> it was, uh, but, but it was wonderful to see. So the Bible says, children, obey your parents. Parents, be specific in what you expect of them. Don't expect them to read your minds. And uh, that's important. Then it goes on. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother. You know, my dad died when he was... I have to always go back and subtract. But anyhow, uh, he, was, uh, he, he was almost 50 years of age when he passed away. Left seven children. I'm the third. Uh, and, um, and I'm the oldest now. Uh, living, and uh, then my mother was 64 when she passed away, and uh, I uh, I learned from them things that were right 
and things that were wrong. People say, well, you know, I'm 18, I don't have to, I'm 21, I don't have to obey you anymore. You know, I'm out of here, and so on. But you know, I'm 84, and I still obey my parents. What they taught me was wrong is still wrong. What they taught me is right is still right. And uh, that, that doesn't, that's never out of date. And so, children, obey your parents. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. In other words, it's going to, you know, young people who are rebellious and, uh, and uh, undisciplined and without, without boundaries, and we'll, we'll talk about this as we go along, uh, they, uh, they're going to, they're going to find a life of heartbreak, heartache, tragedy, disaster, and so on. And we do them a great favor by insisting that they live for, that they live within the parameters of obedience and godliness and allowing the Lord to lead in their lives and at an early age to come to know the Lord Jesus as their own personal Savior. Then it says, ye fathers. And implied, when you read commentaries on this passage, implied is the mother's well. You know, we could read it, we could read it, and ye parents, ye parents, provoke not your children to wrath. Or do not, do not leave them frustrated, do not leave them frustrated without direction. You know, some I hear people say, "My, your kids are growing like weeds." Well, you know, as far as as far as growing up, you know, our boys our boys are all taller than I am, and uh, so on. And uh, but I never wanted my kids to grow as weeds because weeds are, you know, they're not cultivated. Uh, they they're always where they shouldn't be, doing what they shouldn't do, and so on and so on. And so I don't want my kids to grow up like weeds. I don't want my grand... Now we have great-grandkids. and uh, But uh, uh, we need to... Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath or, or leave them frustrated, frustrated without direction. Um, is your home orderly? I didn't say orderly, I said orderly. You know, so many, so many of the problems, behavioral problems in the homes today is because of all of the confusion. Racket. You know, music going on, have to talk at the top of your voices because, because the TV is going full blast and uh, you know, all it is is somebody uh, talking about uh, wh- what a wonderful president Hillary will make, and uh, you know, and uh, well, we won't go there. Anyhow, there, there's a <laughs> um, confusion, confusion. Just you know, there needs to be there, there needs to be orderliness. There there needs to be a quiet time. Now, kids are gonna kids are gonna have fun. I, I remember one time Mary's mom was visiting us, and uh, they were from Colorado. And our two older boys, Dave and 
his brother Paul were wrestling in the living room. And uh, they were just wrestling. Well, Mary's parents had three girls. And the three girls were all seven years apart. So they re- raised three girls like an only child. And uh, so here is Nana. All she's had is these three girls in, in the house. And here are four boys. And the older two are wrestling in the living room. And she, being the mother-in-law that she was, <laughs> you know what mixed, what mixed emotions are, watching your mother-in-law back over a cliff in your Cadillac. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, there's a... <clears throat> but... <laughs> Being the mother-in-law that she was, she said, well, Father, she said, what are you going to do about this? And I said, oh, I'm going to take the winner. <laughs> and, you know, and that was not what she wanted to hear. <laughs> Home needs to be fun. Needs to be fun. You know, when children leave home, when our, when our kids left home, I wanted them to leave with, 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 with a, with a mixed feeling. You know, anxious about what life had for them, but a certain, but a certain, uh, sadness about leaving behind all the fun and security and, uh, and so on that we enjoyed as a family. So the, the verse says, uh, but bring them up. In other words, raise them. Bring them up in nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's discipling. That's exactly what it is. The word nurture, the word nurture is, uh, is chastening in Hebrews. Keep your place because we'll come back to this. But go with me to Hebrews 12. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 5 through 7, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That word chastening there is the same word as the word nurture. Again, in, um, uh, in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. It's easy to find. It's right after 1 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, chapter 3, very familiar verse. Verse 16, all Scripture, not some Scripture, most Scripture, but the Bible is clear. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine, pedagogy, pedagogy, it's the teaching. And so, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. That shows us what's wrong. For reproof. For correction. That shows us how to get it right. For instruction in righteousness. That shows us how to keep it right. So here we see this word nurture. This chastening, this instruction, this identifying of what's wrong, how to fix it, how to keep it fixed. So, 
rape, bring them up in the nurture, and then the admonition. And the admonition is putting in mind of the Lord's way. So making them aware of the Lord's way. And for we'll turn to Joshua. Again, keep your place. But turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This is whoever talks to me by on the little slip of paper. Uh, this is my favorite verse of Scripture. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible tells us in... Um, and I have judges. There we go. This book of the law. That's the Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. In other words, it's going to occupy your mind. The word meditate there is like the, um, is like the word where, where, where you have a ruminant, a, um, uh, an animal that ruminant has multiple stomachs and, and uh, chews on its food for a while and then swallows it. And then in a little while, brings it up and chews on it some more and so on. And this is the way, this is how you meditate. You, you chew on it, get the meaning of it, uh, you swallow it, and then after a while you bring it up again and you chew on it some more and so on. The Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Isn't that, isn't that a, a, a powerful uh, verse of Scripture, direction? You just take the Word of God, you study it, you think about it. What is it saying to me? You apply it to your life, and then you walk according to what you've learned. You make it, you, you make it something. Last night you learned that uh, how wrong it is to be unforgiving, how right it is to be forgiving. How unhappy it is to be unforgiving. What a joy and peace comes by being forgiving. By being Christ-like in, in our forgiving. You learn that. Well, then you've learned it. Now do it. You see, that, that you might walk therein. The Bible says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to be wealthy. It's not talking about material pro uh, prosperity. Remember, success is not measured in money or property or uh, portfolios, uh, investments. Uh, success is finding and doing the will of God. Why did God put me here? I'm going to go to His Word in His Word, I'm going to find His purpose for my life. I'm going to live my life according to His purpose. And what greater joy could I find? To do otherwise is to always have the negative of being out of the will of God. So how wonderful it is to walk in the will of God. Walk in obedience. So the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in day and night that thou mayest do according to all that is there written therein. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, 
I need to hurry on. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18, beginning with verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Husbands, love your wives, be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. In other words, again, do not leave them frustrated and uh, without direction, lest they be discouraged. So here we have God's Word on the importance that we should disciple our children and that they should learn the discipline of obedience uh, to the Word of God. In Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1 and verses 7 through 10, we read, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, uh, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord, and uh, that, that would be uh, the, the respect of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My, what a wonderful opportunity is ours as parents to to uh, be in the lives of our children, to be that person that is discipling them in the Word of God, to walk, to live in obedience to the Word of God. Well, I'm going to jump ahead. I have more here. Turn with me to um, uh, to Romans chapter 2. Because I'm going to show you a little of the mechanics that are included in this. In Romans chapter 2, we find the conscience defined. Remember, our conscience is the courtroom in our hearts where God, where God teaches us right and wrong. God has given us a conscience. And as that conscience is fed by the Word of God, fed the Word of God, in that conscience there's a courtroom. And in that courtroom we make decisions, right decisions, wrong decisions. Decisions of obedience or disobedience. But God uses our conscience to to, uh, either to encourage us in the right way or make us aware of the fact that we have taken steps in the wrong way. In Romans chapter 2, verse 15, which showed the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing, or else excusing, or approving. So in the courtroom of my conscience, the court is being held uh, the um, the Holy Spirit taking the Word of God either shows me that I'm taking the right step or I'm taking the wrong step. And so this is determined. So we have the conscience. Um, in Acts chapter 24, uh, Paul says, 
uh, and now I'm not getting the first word. Uh, I'll turn there. Acts 24:16. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a wonderful? That's Acts 24:16. Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and toward man. Then we come to the next principle. So we have the principle of the conscience being our sacred property and uh, no one can, no one can trespass it. It's our property. And, uh, and then we come to the next and that would be self-government. A government is control, direction, regulation and restraint. Um, uh, who is, who is in control of your life? Some are controlled by greed. Some are controlled by, uh, by materialism. Some are controlled by bitterness. Some are controlled by anger. Uh, some, what, what, what controls your life? What's in control? And there is only one answer. And that's God's in control. If not, God is not in control of your life. If God is not regulating, restraining, controlling, directing your life, what is appetites, relationships, greed? Uh, what is it? And so, uh, just uh, just to be uh, just to be important, just to be always uh, always important. What what controls your life and uh, your your uh, your uh, decision making processes and um, the consent. We live in a republic, and I can't take time to go there. I'd love to. But uh, we live in a republic, in a, not a democracy. Never has been. Is not now, never has been. That's just simply talking about it being a democracy is simply re-educating, re-educating the, 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 the people. Uh, we, we, we have a republic. In a republic, the key to being governed is the consent. Of the governed. We consent. We consent to the laws. We consent. Alright. That's, that's the same as submission. So, so we consent to be governed by God. We consent to put God in control. When we make our decisions, our decisions are made in the light of God's Word. In the, in the presence and the fulfilling of God's will. So we have conscience, we have consent to be governed, and then we come to the last, and then I'll be through, and my time's gone. Uh, in, um, uh, in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, And character, character is the strength of the individual to stand for what's right and to oppose what's wrong. Uh, character, character, that, that strength of character when we see our kids and uh, they get their driver's license and uh, 
Maybe they have their first car, their first motorcycle, and um, and uh, they and they drive out the driveway, or even you know they have a bicycle, even a tricycle, and go pedaling around the block. You know, you know, Daddy, can I can I go around the block? Well, yes, but you'll be right back. You know, um, I, we're we're gonna we're gonna ride our bikes. But you know, when when your kids take off out of your sight, out of your hand, now you've got to rely on what you've taught them. You've got to rely on what you've instilled in their life because you're you're turning that you're turning loose. So you need to have you need to have equipped them. And uh, and they, part of that equipping is the character that's instilled. Now, parents typically want to protect their children from heartbreaks, heartaches, disappointments, and so on. But understand, life life has its disappointments. Life has its heartaches. Paul said, in, in Romans 5.3, Paul said, We glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That patience is character. That's the strength of the individual. How does it come? It comes to dealing with disappointments. We, we do our child a disservice when you protect him. You know, here's, here's a child, and maybe the Sunday school teacher has had trouble. With our child. David did what? You know? Now, I have a choice. I can either say, oh, that Sunday school teacher needs to go. Or I can say, this kid is like I was when I was his age, and I know what needs to be done. I know, I know what we need to do in order to change this. Uh, there is a, we glory in tribulation, Tribulation work with patience. Struggles make us strong. If there's never a struggle, there's never going to be strength. If we raise our kids and we coddle them, we protect them, we, we, we make, as it were, the greenhouse, you know, and, uh, or the, uh, what, what they call it, the high tunnel, and, uh, and we protect them, uh, from, uh, from struggles and uh, difficulties, you know, if they didn't do their studies, you know, what, what, are you, what are you studying this morning? Oh, I've got a test. Well, why are you just now cramming for the test? Why didn't you do the studies in a timely fashion? And uh, so that when the test came, uh, you were prepared. And so we, we need to see that life's struggles make us strong. Life's struggles give us the character to say no. When uh, when they're out as teenagers and uh, and they want to go somewhere where they shouldn't or they they want to uh, drink something that they shouldn't or whatever the case may be, I asked one of the young men had a, a beverage this morning and uh, some morning beverage I assume and I said uh, what's the alcohol content? He said not near enough. Uh, but anyhow, uh, there is a uh, I, I thought that was great. Uh, there's you know. I assume he was kidding. Anyhow, <laughs> you were, weren't you? Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> There's a but, but uh, the character character is going to give them the strength to say no to wrong or yes to right. And so I ask again, 
who or what is in control of your life. And uh, this, this comes through uh, the, the Word of God. Now, in Matthew 12, and I'll be through. Um, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse, um, with, with verse uh, 33, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. God forbid, you know, Mary and I just sold our acreage up uh, outside of Marshalltown, and uh, we had uh, seven, seven apple trees and, and great, a grape arbor and a large asparagus bed and large garden and uh, so on. And, um, you know, we, um, we wanted to have good apples. We had uh, delicious and... Uh, and wine sap and and other good. Either make the tree good and the fruit good, or else make the fruit corrupt and his, or the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. You know, I never did go to the delicious apple tree and expect to find uh, uh, cherries there. You know, I mean, duh. <laughs> I I know I know the difference between an apple tree and a cherry tree. And uh, so uh, so, but. O generation of vipers, and um, that's fitting because my nose is running. O generation of vipers, so I just bite my nose, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I just bite my nose, yeah. And uh, <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man. Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. Out of the abundance, uh, or um, yes, verse 34, For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Here's the thing. If I would be good, if I would be good, I must fill my heart with good things. I must fill my mind with good things. Television, television today is, um, you know, they're, they're very few things. Uh, I love to watch football. I love to watch NASCAR. Uh, and, uh, uh, I, uh, I enjoy as a rule watching the news Excepting in an election year, it's really hard on my blood pressure. And uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to fill our hearts with good things. You see, you can't, you can't fill your heart with garbage and be a good person. It's garbage in, garbage out. So if I fill my life with garbage, I have to anticipate that I'm going to live a garbage life. If I fill my heart with good things, and uh, not just entertainment, but even attitudes, I fill my life with jealousy, with uh, animosity, with judgmentalism, uh, selfishness, jealousy, and so on. All of that, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart is going to be a good person. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart is going to bring forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, 
What I need to do is fill my heart with good things. The Word of God. I need to ensure my children, they fill their heart with good things. For out of the good things comes that treasure, that treasure of the things of God. Um, we'll look at one more verse, uh, verse passage, and then I'll be through. In Luke, in Luke chapter, um, six, Luke chapter six, and verses 43, the Bible says, a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So, if I, if I exercise my direction as dad, as husband, that my family fill their hearts with good things, then I have every reason to expect them to be good. If, if I allow them to fill their hearts and minds with evil things, if I don't monitor what they're listening to, if I don't monitor what they're watching, if I don't monitor what they're reading, then I have no reason to be surprised if I find that their lives are going in the wrong direction. I, I ought not be surprised by that. Why? Because a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. Or a good teenager or a good child brings forth that which is good. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart. So what are you filling your heart with? What are your kids filling their hearts with? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, they're going to be what they are. And so, this morning, as we think on this subject, we need to recognize the, the uh, discipline and the discipleship that's going to produce in my life and in my family's life and in the lives of those that we influence. We're going to see that discipleship, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, a good lady out of the good treasure of her heart, a good kid, a good teenager, a good boy or girl out of the good treasure of their heart are going to bring forth that which is good. An evil person is going to bring forth that which is evil. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What are you filling your heart with? That's what your life is going to be. Father, thank You for Your Word. God, help us to be mindful of this important principle. Help us to learn it, to apply it, and uh, to grow by it. And uh, we'll thank You for it. In Jesus' name, Amen.